Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count. And Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. we like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome down to the floodlights this week on the show. It's over. It's finally over. <laughs> the Premier League season draws to a close and we kneel before our newly crowned Kings Manchester City. But who cares about those boring bastards? The end of any season is all about the teams who have benefited at the expense of others. And it'll be Liverpool and Chelsea dining at the table of European big boys next season. Yes, Leicester have thrown up all over themselves again and can look forward to another year of travelling to faraway lands to play against builders and painters. God, I love this game. We say thanks for coming to Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United. We bid farewell to Sergio Aguero, Roy Hodgson and Sam Allardyce, well, at least until next January. And we go uh, through each team in the league to assess how their season has been. My name is Darren Scott. I'm joined, as always, by Bailey Hutchison and Christopher Ringland. Boys, congratulations on a great season. Yeah, I don't think when we started this podcast when West Ham lost to Newcastle that we would be sitting in this position today uh, where uh, we are truly better than two of the six. Yeah. At the start of the season, some of the stuff this, this year has just been unthinkable. A lot of the agendas that we've created and a lot of myths and it's just been fantastic. I've love newfound love for certain people, a lot of newfound hatred, Daniel and Marty. Yeah, so I mean the format that we have talked about going through today is a little bit different to usual. We're we're basically gonna work our way uh through the league from twentieth to first uh, and sort of give a brief summary and roundup of their season, maybe some interesting tidbits and things that stand out to us in our head from from their season. But before we do that, there is something that I just wanted to mention because obviously there was no episode last week and there was um something that unfortunately we didn't get to talk about and that is Alison Becker. I've talked on this podcast before about how uh, my my level of safety, how safe I feel changes from week to week with Alison. He's produced some lovely moments. He had a moustache at one point. It was manly and safe and then there was kicking the ball to Manchester City players uh, letting them score goals and then I was feeling not safe but oh my days do I feel safe now. What a beautiful man. 94th minute how do you like it Sam Allardyce god I love the guy yeah he's, he's absolutely retired Big Sam with that like there's no, there's no coming back from Big Sam having no one pick up a goalkeeper for a corner unbelievable oh he was so Big Sam was oh, so man. rattled after the game as well I just I was full up on it <laughs> oh I love the guy um <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it is the end of the season. Today was the, the last day of the season. All 10 games uh, on at, at the one time. Um, what do you guys think about that in general? I personally loved knowing at the end of 90 minutes the result of all the games rather than dragging it out across a whole weekend. I thought that's a great way to do it. Yeah, it's, it's funny how the, the broadcasters don't want to, don't want to do that. I wonder, I wonder why, yeah. I was a fan of it to a certain extent and that builds up the drama but it also leads to the fact that some of us are watching our teams play on Sky Sports Arena with like, <laughs> the B-rate commentators. <laughs> who, who did Chelsea have? Who, who was on commentary? 
couldn't tell you. Like, <laughs> didn't, didn't know the name. I've never heard the voice before. And I was like, I'm, I'm not about this. Like, I, and I just feel for whoever was playing on Sky Sports Mix today. I, B- Billy, I had no idea what kind of clown they got. No, Billy, we were on Sky One. So you know, we weren't even in high definition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Liverpool were on main event. Um, of course they were. Of course, yeah. of course, of course they were, as the main event did have a few technical difficulties for um, right. in the early parts of the game. The main camera was out of focus, so the whole screen <laughs> was blurry. And to be honest, it was probably only blurry for about 10 seconds, but my God, those 10 seconds were unbearable. <laughs> um, so they were. So we've said we, we want to, to run through the teams. Um, so, some of these will probably be shorter than others, but right at the very bottom... Uh, 20th out of 20, relegated with a grand total of 23 points, although they did beat Burnley. Uh, oh, 23 0. points is all right. Yeah. They did beat Burnley uh, on the last game of the season as well. Uh, Sheffield United. Yeah, they also they also won two games more than Fulham and West Brom, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's shocking, the stat padding that's gone on recently with this. Like, <laughs> I, I can't believe what I'm... I, I thought this was a dead football club. <laughs> and, and I'm now looking, they've got seven wins. West Brom film have five. Now one study yeah. I'm looking at is shots on target for the season for Sheffield. Ninety-seven. That's yeah. like, two, like two and a half a game. Yeah, it's not good. That's, that's, for yeah. comparison, Liverpool had two hundred and ten, and that was the most. But ninety-seven, get that that lot down. I mean, yeah. Uh, so we we you know we talked about them. They were horrendous for most of the year, um, etc., yeah. etc. But I I'm just going to put this out here now. This new 17-year-old Canadian striker, Daniel Jebson, who has started the past couple of games, who's about 6'4", and is as quick. He's a mixture of Jude Bellingham and Haaland, and he is going to be sensational. And if he plays in the championship for them next year, they'll go straight back up. I'm telling you right now. He's that good. Big call. Yeah, who, who manages them? Uh, Paul Heckingbottom, but he's a temporary. And the the guy that used to be uh, Eddie Howe's assistant at Bournemouth, who then became the Bournemouth manager and got sacked, is his assistant. Right. And <laughs> is there any word on who's going to be taking over next year? Um, I think it's the usual suspects. Um, and I even heard Chris Wilder to West Brom, so I think it's just going to be a merry-go-round. Oh, right. Okay. Classic. Chris Wilder couldn't be far away from the Spurs job. <laughs> yeah, he was. Do- <laughs> he was doing five lives today. <laughs> Uh, I mean, any any standout moments for the two of you uh, from Sheffield United? Um, the only memory that I really have of them is I think it was like Christmas and they hadn't won a game. Yeah. So it's actually quietly a reasonable second half of the season. Uh, yeah. To win seven, given that they won zero um, through the first half. Yeah. The only the only note from Sheffield is the amount of times they like changed up that strike force, and I hope they would find some combination that would find the back. Of the yeah. It was just find it, it. it was throwing shit at a wall and hoping it stuck. Yeah, I mean, at least Musay, you know, McBurney, Billy. Sh- I mean, I know Billy Sharp's a legend. I, I mean, it was just shocking. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Brewster, obviously. Ryan Brewster, yeah. I feel ever, for the guy. Ever thought he'd be good? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, alongside uh, Sheffield United in in being relegated with uh, twenty six points, so three points more, uh, despite the fact that they they brought in. Uh, Big Sam to get them out of a jam halfway through the year. Um, West Bromwich Albion are are going to be relegated. They were kind of a a nothing team for me this yeah. season. Um, we talked at the beginning of the year about how yuck their kits were. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, the green, yellow ones. Yeah, and, and yeah. obviously they brought Sam in halfway through the year and, and he brought in his standard six foot four striker um, and got ready to play some hoofball for a few months. Um, and for the first time in Sam's career, it wasn't good enough. No, this, this lot were terrible. Like, this lot were terrible in a strange way because Sam comes in to do the typical job of beat the smaller clubs and grind out a few draws and wins against bigger clubs here and there. What Sam did this year was just get the draws and wins against the bigger clubs and then fell apart against those smaller teams. Mm. So, yeah, just a nothing football team, this. It, it was, it's one of the worst um, defences in Premier League history, I think. Uh, because they conceded 76 goals, which is uh, 13 more than Sheffield United. That's terrible. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, because I, I I don't understand when teams... I mean, I know it was different because of COVID. Like, there was a very short distance between the two seasons. But, like, you know, Fulham actually gave themselves a chance by actually, you know, and bringing in some players. I mean, they, they didn't bring anyone in until the end of January. They just had the same team in the championship, and that isn't going to cut it anymore. No. Oh, well, the goalkeeper, though, phenomenal. Sam Johnson, and he should be in the England squad for the Euros. Very, well, yeah, he's a good shot stopper, um, and he certainly faced a lot of shots this well, year. That, that, that's, <laughs> the, that's the thing about keepers at that level. You, you can't decide how good they are because they do just face a million shots, so they're going to save a half-decent percentage of them. Yeah. Right. Am I right in saying that it was um, Slavon Bilic was in charge of them at the beginning of the year, yeah. wasn't he? yeah. Yeah, and when, well, when he took them up, yeah, was sent off by Mike Dean at Goodison, I believe. And um, just you mentioned Mike Dean there, uh, Bailey. I know we <laughs> said previously that there were a few rumours he'd be hanging up the whistle um, this summer, but there were um, a couple of reports coming out recently. A few rumours circulating that that Mike's decided, you know, he's coming back for one last ride. Oh, he's got another boss. one in him oh, next no. next year. Uh, probably just didn't want to give it up in a COVID year where he couldn't yeah. get his standing yeah. ovation on the last day. That, that's all it is. Yeah. He hasn't heard Mike Dinger or Wanker enough this year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, a few rumours that, that he's going to be back. Um, on West Brom, obviously, yeah, Sam Allardyce has announced that he will be stepping down mm. um, at the end of this season. Uh, he, he seemed pretty confident that should he stay on as manager, um, he'd be bringing them back up. But it's kind of beneath him, and he didn't want to bother his arse. Um, were you surprised to see Sam d- say that he didn't want it, or is it just sort of par for the course? Well, I find it fascinating that, um, like, the whole, from what I understand, the whole recruitment process for the new manager is going to be totally advised by Big Sam. <laughs> like, like the, the Chinese owner and Big Sam are going to work out who's going to be the man to take over. I Which I find so bizarre. Times. Like, only Big Sam could be in that position. Um, <laughs> rounding up the the trio of clubs who will be going back down to to the Championship, another one and done side this year. Um, despite his best efforts, Scott Parker uh, will be getting relegated with Fulham for the second time. Um, they're kind of a different one for me in that, like Fulham played some decent football at times this season, and I think we're pretty good against some of the bigger teams like played some nice stuff and and obviously we have a a good affinity for Scott Parker we like him a lot and we feel bad that he's going down although again the Spurs job is available Um, (laughs) but but yeah Fulham are the one where this season I think I said they're down for ages and then they started weaponizing COVID and doing a few different things and I thought oh maybe they'll just save themselves 
Um, and in the end, they sort of ran out of steam with about two mm. months of the season to go. But um, the, out of the three, they're probably the one that I'm most sad to see relegated. Although I need to point out, as I've mentioned all year long, their stadium's a disgrace. <laughs> that camera's a mess. Yeah, this lot were dead after six games. There was after that, there was no real point. Like they did try, they did look at times like a Premier League team, but you can't start the way they did and expect to hang around much longer. They, they barely scored any goals. I thought Anderson, the guy who ended up being the captain of the defense, oh, he was quite good. And we said about the keeper, um, he's definitely above the championship. Um, but I, like I, you, you maybe don't realize that that is the fourth season in a row that Fulham has been promoted or relegated. Um, so they are the ultimate yo-yo club at the minute. And I actually find their squad really interesting because so like Tim Ream, the American defender, I don't know if you've heard of him. The American um, Dream. I, I, I don't think. There's a bunch of, basically the whole squad that Scott Parker used every game in the championship sat on the bench this season. And he's now going to have to go back to those players when all the other ones leave, for <laughs> example, and Gisa and stuff. So like like Tim Ream and Joe Bryan have been playing the last couple of matches. Like how, like how can you mentally do that? Go up and down four times and still be like, oh, well, I, well I'll give it another go. Yeah. It's just that, that group of players, I think, they, they know what, where they're at in their careers. <laughs> Yeah, they they shouldn't in their own heads be looking like mid table Premier League. They should know I'm a player that you bring in for the championship, I'll hang about for a year in the Prem and I'll kind of float between the two. I'll get my I'll get my bonus every year whenever I get promoted eventually. Mm. You mentioned it there, Christopher. Um of the three teams you mentioned the Fulham's goalkeepers too big for the championship or are there any other players that really stand out to the two of you from those three teams players who who are too big for the championship who will probably have their agents phoning up clubs as we're recording now and um, to get their moves back to the premier league are there any names that, that jump out to the two of you Ooh, good question i think uh, uh, big, big sander burge at sheffield no yeah. way he's staying at sheffield yeah no way he's out. Like, yeah no, no chance he's destined for the top yeah uh, Mateus Pereira probably West Brom he's pretty good mm. um, did he play a year uh, in the championship yeah he was like the I think he was regarded as the best player in the championship okay. last season and uh, you know probably Lukman and those kind of Zamal and Gisa those kind of those kind of guys and Gisa yeah. yeah that's a good shout actually yeah I, I mean he actually went on loan to Villarreal as Fulham went back to the championship so he had no part to play in their promotion and then slotted right back in when they were promoted which oh, was he, he really does think himself he's too big for the championship <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Slog. Right. So, I mean, those are the three teams that we are um, we're saying Bye-bye. goodbye to. I mean, the the next clubs we look at the the close call clubs uh, this season. It wasn't really that close. There was you know an eleven point gap between seventeenth and eighteenth, and in seventeenth, a team who have caused some deep emotional scars on my mental psyche. And um, Burnley uh, finished in seventeenth this season was just a standard Burnley season, really. I'm not Absolutely. sure how much. There is to say on Burnley, but Dice is still there. It's four four two Brexit ball, and it will stay in the Premier League for as long as time exists. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Uh, I will say that I think Chris Wood has got better. That I will say that, and I think Tarkowski probably regrets uh, not making the move to West Ham in the summer. But uh, I'll just leave it at that uh, for his England chances. But I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Nothing more needs to be said about Burnley. We can copy and paste this same conversation next year. Yeah. (laughs) Apologies to all the Burnley fans out there, but. Your team is nothing. Um, <laughs> up to sixteenth uh, in the league. This will, I mean, this one. This, this will go. be a good one for for. This will cause some debate. Uh, 
Brighton and Hove Albion uh, finished in 16th position with 41 points. Now, obviously, probably would have played in the Champions League if they had matched their expected goals to them. Um, so they are just play some lovely football, nice little part of the world, good fan base, good team, just need a striker. Um, uh, absolutely. And also, we, t- we talk about injury crisis at clubs. Brighton and Hove Albion did lose their best player in Tariq Lampe in December, I think to a hamstring injury that everyone thought was going to be about two weeks. The guys missed the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. It was brutal, brutal luck on their part. Good, good to see them stay up, prove Chris wrong. Uh, onwards and upwards next season, get in a half-decent striker, get yourselves in the Champions well, League, lads. Trust well, the actually, process. Billy, it's funny that you say onwards and upwards because I'm not, I, I've, I've talked enough about them this season. I'm just going to make one, one observation. Okay, 2018, Brighton won nine games. 2019, Brighton won nine games. 2020, Brighton won nine games. And this season, Brighton won nine games. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, consistency is key. That's a great foundation to build on. Uh, one of the, the top up-and-coming English managers, um, assuming, he in- assuming he doesn't take the Spurs job um, <laughs> at the helm there. They are a striker away from being a real problem. Absolutely. You say they're a striker. They've got about six strikers. Yeah, but they're not very good. Yeah, because they sacked Glenn Murray because they were so embarrassed by how good he was for them. <laughs> well, yeah, he yeah. Was, I imagine that was an aesthetic-based decision. It didn't well, exactly, look, that's it what didn't I mean. It look good to have like a 40-year-old big man striker with a receding hairline leading your, <laughs> leading your team. I just don't think that's the, the look that Brighton wanted for this new sort of wave of hipster football and that sort of stuff. Absolutely not. Get him out. I, I will say, though, uh, I did think it was interesting that Pep, before they scrapped on the pitch line at the end of the game, uh, Pep said that uh, Graham Potter was the best English manager in the world. Um, I don't really know what in the world adds to all the English managers, because they're, they're all in England, really. But, um, yeah. Um, the next 15th in the Premier League this season, this is a real interesting case for me. This was Southampton, uh, finished on 43 points. Now, Bailey made this comment to me uh, off-air, earlier on. Southampton, not that long ago, were sitting top of the Premier League <laughs> with about, you, Billy, you said like 26, 27 it, points. It genuinely was like mid-20 points and they were tweeting out saying, uh, stop the count whenever they were talking. <laughs> Get all their Twitter engagement. And ever since that tweet went out, this club have done nothing. <laughs> this club have lost 9-0 again this season. Yeah, oh, like this is this is a woeful year for Southampton. I, like, yeah, they've been they've been absolutely awful. I, I I so I watched them today against uh, West Ham, and they were they were embarrassing to be honest. And that was pretty brutal. That uh, Bailey, you'll be well. It was yeah, like Ryan Bertrand is probably one of the most uh, consistent fullbacks in the league, mm. uh, England international over the past decade. Famously made his Chelsea debut in the Champions League final, um, and. Uh, he was unceremoniously kept on the bench for his final game for Southampton. After That's poor form so. from Ralph. I'm not about that one bit. And if what Ryan Bertram it... wants to come back and sit on Chelsea's <laughs> bench next season, I'm more than happy because of some of the clowns that are there. But that's an absolute disgrace for the club captain. Southampton have had a few players this year, despite their you know, pretty average finish of 15th place. I've had a few players who, who stood out for pretty consistently strong performances. Obviously, we all know Danny Ings, um, a really natural goal scorer. Uh, James Ward-Price had a, had a really Pricey good like season. Step, step up. A yeah. lot of praise. 
um, f- for him, are these guys that you see moving on this summer or what does Southampton need to do to kind of push on and become sort of a top half team that are a bit more consistent? Uh, new defence and new goalkeeper because uh, that's a the goalkeeper is a serious problem but James Ward-Prowse is a uh, um, Southampton through and through. He's like a Mark Noble type figure. I don't, I don't think he'll <laughs> he'll leave. Um, I, I also kind of use them as kind of a barometer for West Ham because we got promoted at the same time and have stayed up ever since in like 2013. Um, so you can kind of compare the progress. But I mean, I think they've had like, since Koeman left basically, they've had squad issues ever since, you know, yeah. and they're still kind of relying on similar types of players. And Hassan Hudel is getting the best that he can out of that. Like, I don't think their squad is that good. Yeah, I just don't think they're that great. I think Price needs out as soon as he can. Um, it's whether or not he, he wants to if he has it in his head, but I think Price should be looking up higher in the table. I think he can go to wherever he realistically wants to. I think he's that good a player. Danny Ings is probably at that age now where he needs to decide, do I stay at a mid-table club and bang in just under 20 goals a season or do I go slightly higher and sit on the bench and play FA Cup games? A few rumours that Man City were considering him as one of their potential options for an Aguero replacement. Yeah, so he'll go there and win the Carabao Cup every year. Yeah. Southampton have had uh, a few interesting cameos and side stories on this show over the course of the year. Obviously, there's the Hassenhudel gloves that made an appearance <laughs> uh, for, for players given, given the magic powers in the football pitch. Um, there was also uh, their second half performance, that random stat that proved that in the second half they were god-awful at football uh, yes. despite being considerably better in the first half and you just wondered why that was. So a few interesting side stories that came out of Southampton this year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, we're, we're kind of into that grey area now of teams who were kind of irrelevant this year. I'm interested <laughs> on to hear some of your comments on Crystal Palace finished in 14th, Wolverhampton Wanderers in, in 13th, uh, and Newcastle United in 12th. 12th? Now that's what stood out to me, is how on earth did Newcastle get to 12th? Well, I know how Newcastle got to 12th, it's because of Joe Willock. Um, but, and Chris Ringland. Yeah, and Christopher Ringland, of course. Uh, let's, let's not forget the part Chris played in this by saying that Newcastle United were down. Yeah, a recurring theme on this show, as we've talked about before, the Ringland bump, um, which has impacted a, a number of teams and players in different ways, and we'll get on to that further up the table. But Newcastle, perhaps the biggest beneficiaries, a team that Christopher proclaimed to be down, so down, they're down right now. Um <laughs> A couple of months ago, and uh, and to finish twelfth, um, I mean that's mightily impressive. Wolves, uh, obviously tough season for them. Terrible injured. recruitment. Terrible. Well, has got injured, and now their managers decided to leave. And Crystal Palace, I mean that that's kind of the same as Burnley. It's just the yeah. same group of guys doing the same things every year. It's and a Palace season, that yeah. <laughs> there's there's like, no no other comment needed. Yeah, and then Wolves the same. Wolves were just unlucky with injuries, players they let go, Nuno's now out. It's they're kind of a nothing club. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see why, where they go from here. Yeah, exactly. It's like who they have they to get a Portuguese in. in. Apparently, like Benfica managers in with a shout because of course he is. Mm. Anything on Palace, Chris? P- Palace is very interesting because, like, basically their entire team's out of contract. Um, and uh, and I mean, is that if that. If Zaha stays another year, <laughs> like I mean, it's pretty pretty brutal for him. Like, he definitely deserves a move now. Um, yeah, and and have to, um, hats off to um, Roy Hodgson. Great career, fair play to him uh, from Croydon, 
from Crystal Palace. So great way to to finish his uh, his interesting uh, career, which the the highlight was definitely his uh, Europa League run with Fulham. I think. Yeah, actually, a, a note on Palace. An absolute disgrace this week that I saw was <laughs> Crystal Palace are getting their own documentary. In the same week, the trailer Who's for Sir Alex Ferguson documentary came out for Amazon Prime. They also released a Crystal Palace When Eagles Dare documentary trailer. What has this club done? <laughs> Warrant. Like, there's too many documentaries now. Cut it out. Yeah, not everyone's interesting. Anyway, into the, the next group, the, the real mid-table teams, 11th, 10th and 9th, were Aston Villa, Everton and Leeds United, respectively. Um, Villa, I'm surprised to see them finish 11th, actually. They were going along really well. Uh, I remember at one point uh, them being a couple of games in hand away from European spots, so I know they were hit hard when, when Jack Grealish uh, got got injured. Um, Everton in tenth is absolutely hilarious to me. <laughs> I recall when they were top of the league early on, maybe two or three <laughs> games in, they were choreographing dance routines. They were looking like pricks. And uh, as much as I love Carlo Ancelotti, that's a pathetic performance from them to fall to tenth in the league. And their new kit's red, so that's um, <laughs> yeah, not a lot going on there with Everton. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Everton and Villa there in 10th and 11th, I, I recall that stage, I think five or six games in, when this was the Kazoo Premier League. Indeed, <laughs> These two indeed. were first and second and looking like they were going to run away with it. Everyone was going, oh my days, this Villa team slapped Liverpool, unstoppable, greatest best player in the world. Everton, similar thing, of, oh, they have Carlo Ancelotti, he's the one to guide them. These two clubs were going to be in the Champions League and Everton, as they always do fall apart like mm-hmm. this has been since like halfway through the season this has been abysmal from Everton I feel like so sorry for Wait, it, it's a home record Billy they haven't won yeah, any yeah. matches at home that's what's apparently. so bizarre about it it's yeah. like that, that's where Everton should be picking up their points now 59 points there and uh, that's that's it off Champions League sort of that home form and they're in with a shout but I there was points especially in the past month or so where I've looked at Carlo going Get yourself out. Like blink twice for help. <laughs> <laughs> he has. He has some of his comments. He's been frustrated with the things that are going on. I think he definitely feels like he's already gotten as much as he can out of that squad, and it's going to need investment if well, they're going to push him. Well, I don't think some of the players have like actually played their potential. Like, that's part of the thing. Like I don't think Richardson and Hamos Rodriguez had like like Calvert Lewin and maybe Gilfie Sigurdsson like stepped up. You know. Um, you know, Luca Dean, I, I, I just think they just kind of faltered. You know, I mean, Leeds finished above them. Like, mm-hmm. if Leeds had a won like sixteen nil and Spurs and Arsenal lost, Leeds were in Europe. <laughs> you know, so it's a big F. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Le- Le- Leeds have been a real surprise to me recently. I've had, I've had to come out and like say I, I do respect the season Leeds have had, and I think they sort of a few issues defensively. I'm all about them. You, you both said they were going to go down. That's not true. I, I don't believe it is. Or you, you said something along those lines. That's I lie. said I wanted them to go down. That's different from saying right. they will go down. And I just didn't like that their I just didn't like their style of play at the start of the year, partly because it knew it was new and it scared me and I have a deep rooted fear of change. But um I just didn't like that, you know, all out attack gun ho I thought against the big teams you'll get exposed and to a certain extent they probably did, but 
Um, I did warm to them over the course of the year. I talked before about uh, Patrick uh, Bamford and how my opinion on him changed as the course of the year went on, and that was probably similar to my thoughts on on Leeds in general. Um, uh, the, there's nothing better than the four three 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 one formation or whatever it is that um, that's too many BL's. players. That's <laughs> Sorry, it's four, or, it's too four three. Miles, but that's a rugby team. Four three. It's four three, or is it three? <laughs> He he basically pioneered at Chile, oh, uh, and uh, Pep used it at Bayern. You'll remember. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? The four more men on the pitch than the other. Yeah. <laughs> three, uh, three, three, one, three. A huge who could say situation. <laughs> also, just on just on Leeds, by the way, right? I was shocked. Robin Koch. Who um, that we remarked at the beginning of the season um, for the pronunciation of his name, which was a disgrace. Who barely played all season has made it into the Germany squad for the Euros. Have you the seen Germany this? squad? I think especially with twenty six men, the Germany squad has been just who's available. I think Thomas Müller, who has retired from international football, got the call. Like we actually, we just need bodies. Leeds have done some serious stat padding in terms of points. Jack Harrison. So they have, like, Leeds have finished on 59 points, four wins in their last five. That is, stop, like, as good as... Scored more goals than Chelsea, Billy? Fantastic. They're ninth. I'll see them in the final next weekend. A few good players in the squad. Rafinha, obviously, Patrick Bamford's had a good year. Uh, I'm, a fan of, I'm a fan of some of the guys at the back. I think quietly their goalkeepers had a pretty good season. Despite oh, the, oh, interesting. No, interesting. I don't, I don't like how he looks, but quietly that's not been a bad season <laughs> from him. And um, Dallas. Young Dallas. Oh, I mean, Stuart Dallas. What a Cookstown man. Dallas. What a man. <laughs> Cookstown Dallas. Uh, one last point for me on Leeds. Uh, probably quite fortunate to finish in ninth with 59 points, given that they should have been docked points for the state of their pitch at one point oh, this absolutely. season. Well, Dave. Absolutely. Um, should have been docked points from that. So really, even though they're ninth in our list, I'm going to move them down to... I'm going to move them down to 11th. So I'm going to take away probably nine points from them for that pitch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that, that should be standard punish, punishment for change of pitch yeah. halfway through a season. Not because there was games on that pitch that were unwatchable. Yeah, it was amateur league stuff. Terrible. Um, up into, I mean, of course, the, the heated rivalry between two very average sides, um, <laughs> Arsenal and Spurs. Uh, Spurs <laughs> two of the six? Two, two, two of the, the quote-unquote big boys. Two of the six? Um, two of the big boys wanted to go and play in their European Super League. Uh, Tottenham just pipping Arsenal this season with 62 points compared to Arsenal's 61. <laughs> um, a lot of different ways you could go with these two teams. Um, Arsenal were... Five wins in a row for Arsenal? Yeah, very, yeah quietly a very good second half to the season. When there was no pressure? Yeah, yep. they were like 15th for the first four months of the season. <laughs> and Tottenham started, where they were the opposite, Tottenham started the season really well. We're top of the league at one point, things looking good under Jose. And then obviously heads rolled, the team fell apart, um, and they dropped to, to seventh in the league. Uh, and I think, will they be playing in the newly formed UEFA they Europa Conference, will. Europa Conference, Europa Conference. So they are uh, the, the English yeah. guinea pigs for that event. Um, so we, we, we've no idea who will be in that, but we'll just assume that Larn will be, so that Spurs will be playing at Inver <laughs> Park next season. <laughs> I do. Yeah, we, we talk about the rivalry between Tottenham and Arsenal. You know, part of the thing is of whenever both clubs are terrible and in the positions they are, it's all about finishing above. 
But I think between these two, if you're looking for a winner, Arsenal are the winner. They finish one point behind and don't have to play Thursday night. I agree. And considering where Arsenal were at one stage this season to finish six points off Champions League, it's fairly impressive. Yeah, completely so agree. Now, they, there have been terrible moments at the Emirates this season. <laughs> like, just woeful stuff. But they have quietly gone about their business. The emergence of Smith Rowe was a big one uh, today. Actually, Gunnar Soros was back, which was a big... Gunnar Soros! Lovely. Gunnar Soros was back in the stadium. Uh, I think that was the balance, the fact that I think one of the Cronkies turned up to the game. Right, okay. So I think they just had to balance it out of, let's boo him, but let's cheer that this guy's got his job back, kind mm. of thing. Ozil's not paying his wage anymore. If Cronkie had I, any sense, he'd yeah. be in the suit and see what the reaction is then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm just looking at the table and I am stunned because I think, if you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm looking at this correctly, the only teams that have conceded less goals the whole season are Chelsea and Man City. Than Arsenal? Yeah. But again, that, that plays into my thing of like, there were some terrible moments at the Emirates of just boring games. They were awful. They, they just couldn't break teams down but the, the, it was the same last season defensively Arteta did sort them out there's just moments where it's it's bad no for sure and, and you talked about it there Billy there's been a few guys come through sort of names that maybe weren't really that well known at the beginning of the year you talked about Smith Rowe I think Saka's quietly had a very good season yep. um, you know they've got Joe Willock coming back from loan he's had a really good spell <laughs> away young Joe um, you know, and uh, Gabriel Martinelli's now back from injury and, and got a few run outs there. He'll go to the, the top. Season. He'll go to the top. So, so they've got some good players there. Kieran Tierney, I think, is probably, we agree, being yeah. their best performer consistently over the course of the season. So things aren't looking that bad for Arsenal. It's just. Well, it's just relative. Like that. yeah. that's the issue. It's whenever you look at it and like Thomas Partey comes in, big signing, and then he goes and watches Atletico Madrid win the league without him. Mm. You know, he's battling it out today also I, sad sad bit of news today that david louise is leaving the club one of the yeah. great characters of the premier league sad to see him go i mean i just as well being relative darren i mean like arshan wenger finished in the top four every single season bar one you know uh, finishing eighths and that sounding like a success is definitely relative <laughs> yeah 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 and it shows how bad things have been for arsenal um over the past couple of years um what about spurs obviously still without a manager oh um well, they've got young oh, Ryan. Captain one side. Their captain, yeah, Harry Kane, allegedly has uh, reiterated his desire to move on from the club this summer. Uh, it's what, what, reiterated. Yeah, mm. yes, to Daniel Levy. He also he also walked around a golf course with Gary Neville this week for Sky, doing an interview about how much he wants. Like, he even quoted how much he believes he's worth, which I find bizarre. He's like, "Yeah, this is the summer where I'm probably worth the most I'll be." Like. Come next year, I'm a year older. There's a year less in my contract. This is as good as it gets. I mean, he's right about that, but it's very weird to hear him say that yeah. in public. It, it's weird for to know that that player's thinking that, and in, in his head, he's going, "Oh, if a, an offer of a hundred million comes in, will Daniel consider it?" Kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting couple of months here for Spurs, and um, it's really going to shape where they go for the next couple of years, probably. Um, mm-hmm. The hurricane transfer is going to be so interesting. I mean, oh goodness, yeah. Levy because you know Levy's a hard ass when it comes to negotiating anyway, and you know he's going to look upwards of a hundred million. He's going to want a hundred, hundred and twenty well, for a twenty-seven-year-old, given the current economic hmm. stuff that's going on with with COVID and whatever around the league. <laughs> but, but that, that, but I mean that that is what he's worth, to be fair, in the in the market. But, but I, I found it fascinating that Daniel Levy had his first admission of weakness 
I think I've ever heard where he said, or oh, maybe we did take our eye off the ball a wee bit and build in the stadium. You know, maybe we took our eye off the goals on the pitch and this kind of thing. Which I find interesting since they were in the Champions League final in 2019. But Yeah, yeah. So that was supposed to be their big thing of, yeah, brand new stadium, we've just hit the Champions League, let's go. And that was part of the reason why Kane's in the awkward situation that he is now. Kane is year three of a six-year deal. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, Levy's got all the power here. Yeah. But I, I, I don't see, like, if Levy keeps hold of him, I don't see him downing tools next season. thing. And I also see Levy doing what he did uh, with, like, the Berbatov, the United transfer, where he just leaves this until the last possible second on deadline mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. There's no way this gets resolved anytime soon. I don't know. I, I, I think he goes. I think it's untenable. I mean, if he's literally going to be playing in Europe, I, I just think it's untenable. Uh, on to the, oh, shit, the, the new top six or this season's top six. Um, Chris, I mean, a good season will not, you know, make any jokes or try and take away from you that West Ham finishing sixth with 65 points is an incredible achievement. Um, has it been tainted slightly given the high that you were on just a month ago when fourth was looking likely and, and things like that? Where, where do you stand? Hmm. I don't think Liverpool deserve top four. Uh, so I, I've got, look, um, it's our best season ever. So wherever that finishes, I, I no complaints whatsoever. Uh, Moise has been absolutely um, sensational, and uh, yeah, I, I think I've like I've said enough during the during the year about why they've they've got there. I do think that um, I, I think I've now concluded that I think Declan Rice is starting to become one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. Absolutely. I don't say that lightly. Do you think is there? I assume the rumor mill will start talking about him leaving again this summer. Oh, God, I'm sure. I'm sure it will. But I, I think he fancies a go at the Europa League. I don't know. You know, nobody. I, I will say no, it well. No one fancies a go at the Europa League. <laughs> I will, well, I will say um, that West Ham. I, I was actually looking at it earlier. We have. Uh, I think. I think I'm right in saying. Well, definitely in the Premier League era, we have never been in the um, group stage of of Europe ever. Well. That's partly to do with the fact that West Ham, I think, a couple of years back, I think, were in the Europa League and failed to get through those like qualifying rounds. Yes, we lost to the same Romanian team two years in a row. Uh, and one year was from finishing sixth, the other was from getting in via the fair play rule. Um, so, <laughs> and the Afrosafra got sent off thing. against some Andorran team. So, yes, it was it was a great campaign. Yeah. Yes, but, but as you said, you haven't been in the group stage, but it's been self-inflicted. Like, if West Ham had just taken it seriously enough, if these players you're saying, like, Declan Rice had dreamed to be in the Europa League, I imagine he could have thought. I don't, I don't say he's dreamed, but, I mean, the idea of like of him playing in a, a Europa League final for West Ham, I'm sure that is enticing. I love that you've gone from never qualifying to the group stages straight to, yeah, we'll probably make a final. <laughs> oh, oh, oh that, we, yeah, I, I would think there would be another chance, yeah. <laughs> Like, like, come on, right? Yeah. I mean, the standout um, sort of lasting memory from West Ham in this podcast this season is the three of us had a sit down conversation early on when we started doing the podcast, and we said, you know, we were assessing things that we thought were good, things that we thought were maybe in need of improvement, and and we all collectively agreed that we would stop using the term "we." about the teams that the three of us support and despite the fact that Bailey and I have stuck to that quite rigidly ever since that Christopher just threw that out the window and we had to accept that there's no point even 
trying to ask him not to anymore. He is West Ham till he dies, and that's why we have him. It, it's we and yous. So it is a, there's no West Ham, Chelsea, Liverpool. It's we and yous. So, so a good season by West Ham. Now on to this episode's main event. Get in. Come Get on. In. Come on. We've been saying it for months. Leicester City have once again, on the last day of the season bottled any hopes of playing in the Champions League. They have finished fifth with 66 points. They can enjoy another year in the Europa League. Christopher, you've been very complimentary about them. You've pushed back any time Bailey and I have, have passed criticism upon Leicester City. This has got to be a real low point for you in, in terms of this podcast this season. Well, 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 I don't know, because obviously uh, teams like Leicester are at the automatic disadvantage of not being one of the six. So it's even hilarious that they're even competing at that level you, and you've doing, got things like, doing things like winning the FA Cup against, uh, against Chelsea and the fact that Chelsea got into the top four despite losing 2-1 to Aston Villa on the final day. Um, so it was, um, um, it was a fantastic season. They're uh, a fantastic club. Uh, well set. Brendan Rodgers is a phenomenal manager. And uh, it's been a great season for them. Um, very unlucky to not um, get one last stab at the Champions League for people like Jamie Vardy and Mark Albrighton. But um, but yeah, let's see where they go from here. You got to earn your way into being one of the big boys. Exactly. This this doesn't come easy. It's a mentality. So it is Leicester. Do you want a number, Chris? Two hundred and forty-two. That's the number of days Leicester have spent in the top four this season more than any other football club. And for the second year running on the final day of the season, oh, it's all tears. Oh, fair, oh. fair reminder that they won the Premier League at 5,000 to 1 and have become a big club as a direct result of it. Fantastic. That's years ago. It's irrelevant. Two yeah. years in a row now. They've bottled it. Absolute and, jokers, and it serves them absolutely right. Yeah, a few players, few players showed a lack of class in the FA Cup final victory, thinking Ach. that they were probably thinking Ach. that they, this was overblown no, to the end. Players thinking that that, that brawl, the brawl in the, uh, in the well, Premier League game after when oh Thiago Silva took Amari to task. Oh, it was a yeah, like, like, come on. I mean, it was a real footballer scrap that. Some people need to learn how to win games of football, and Daniel Amarty's right up there throwing the Chelsea bats <laughs> in the ground. I'm not having it. Leicester then lose the heads. One of them boots Ch- Chilwell, thinking he's a big lad. Nah, get this lot down. Brendan, enjoy Thursday nights again. Sorry. The, the incident that, that led to that brawl was absolutely ridiculous. He barely touched Chilwell, and Rudiger shoved him. He, he tried to do Chilwell. <laughs> Because all the Leicester fans last weekend as well, absolute tin pot club. Their entire focus whenever Ben Chilwell came on the pitch was to just boo the guy. No other focus other than the Trent Brown, this guy who's trying to. I will remind you, they won the match. Fantastic, Ben Chilwell won the cup final next weekend. So you're going to be first loser in two competitions. Fantastic, that's lots of having a book travel to Lithuania in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Get it up, learn how to win games of football. The, The fact that they bottled it. On the final day against Tottenham? Against the yeah, against yeah that's, not a good, that's not a good optic. Yeah. Gareth Bale, who doesn't care about this game, has said he might retire. Absolutely putting the nail in this coffin. Wise up. Love to see it. Fifth in the Premier League, weak beta meals. Uh, so on now to the, the top four, um, the teams that will be playing Champions League football. In fourth with 67 points, uh, Chelsea. 
uh, in third, obviously Liverpool with 69 points in second, Manchester United with 74 points, and then the runaway league leaders, as we all know, mm. Manchester City with 86 points. I'll start. I'll start in fourth with Chelsea. Don't don't deserve to win the Champions League next season after today. After today. <laughs> <laughs> so they were. I want Jorginho, Matteo Kovacic. Oh, this was a rotten game of football. Are they back to being not your players? Not even. I just kind of watched them being like, just get me Declan Rice. I don't want to watch you two anymore. I can't be arsed. Just going through the same stuff over and over again. And just the mentality of a lot of the guys today I wasn't happy with. I'm still not happy with the treatment of a certain Tammy Abraham. But today was rotten. I sat at half time whenever Leicester were in the Champions League and Chelsea were now. Fair enough. This this lot don't deserve it. I hope you enjoy Thursday nights and then Leicester do what Leicester do. I'm happy to see them in the Champions League, obviously, but based on the 90 minutes today, did not deserve it one bit. <laughs> um, we talked about how you know Chelsea finishing fourth, I think, is significant because had they missed out on fourth and obviously lost the FA Cup final and if they were to go on to lose the Champions League final as well I mean Thomas, bad optics, Thomas bad Tuchel would have undone four or five months yeah. of work in it would three have. weeks it would have um, yeah. it would, would have been so funny just to see how Roman Abramovich would have dealt with that situation yeah because yeah and um, so I, th- I think that is significant that they got in you know we've said before Chelsea have a few good players and if they add a couple more in the summer they get somebody who can actually put the ball in the net consistently um, <laughs> they're going to continue to, to, to improve um, third place I cannot believe that Liverpool Football Club finished third oh this season um, I, I, oh I officially wrote this season off in February and stopped caring I think Liverpool were eighth um, <laughs> not looking very good uh, every long ball played over the top of the centre-backs resulted in a goal um, it was horrible and then they got their act together um, won their last five to get into the Champions League I mean, good for them you say got their act together I think the major change was just the moment where Klopp found two centre-backs and he could finally move Fabinho back in the midfield yeah that was big so um, that sorted a lot of issues out whereas whenever the guy even I think about a month ago he was playing the, like a couple of minutes here and there at centre-back and Liverpool just looked a lot worse. Mm-hmm. The second you move him 10 yards up the pitch, Liverpool are a lot better at football. Yeah. I think, listen, it was a tough, tough season for Liverpool. Um, they had injuries early on, obviously, to key players. Van Dijk, um, Gomez, Jordan Henderson's been injured. Uh, Diego Jota was injured for a while as well when, when he went on a run. Um, so it's been a tough year for them in that regard, and it's highlighted their need to, to invest this summer. Um, and just sort of improve that squad depth because when we go on to talk about Man City the reason they've won the league is because they have the best 25-man squad probably in the world hmm. um, but it, was, it was good to see the Ox back as well he scored the scored, other one scored, the Ox. scored uh, soon to be father because um, little Nick's are pregnant and, um, I, I, I literally thought you meant as in a priest no, 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 as in a, a biological father. Um, <laughs> that'd be a strange career move. Um, <laughs> the but, ACL injuries have mounted up so much. <laughs> divine interventions. Um, but I think, I think credit, yeah, I think you have to give credit where it's due, and you give credit to people like Nat Phillips, who had absolutely yep, no right absolutely. to play 
centre back for Liverpool. If you look at the beginning of the season, um, and the you know Liverpool at that time obviously would have had aspirations of, of retaining their title and whatever. Uh, for Nat Phillips to come in and and Reese Williams and and everybody who kind of chipped in, um, to to perform the way they performed the last five six games of the season is is really impressive. And there are going to be people who move on this summer. We know Genie's going to be one of them. Um, there might be others from the front three. Time will tell on that one. Um. It did feel a little bit like a kind of end of an era moment for you know this Liverpool group that won the Champions mm-hmm. League and the Premier League. It's now going to be shuffled around it's a little similar bit. Similar team, yeah. It's the same players, you know. Yeah. So it did feel a little bit like that. But ultimately, I think if you'd offered me third about two and a half months ago, I'd have bitten your hand off to take it because <laughs> I couldn't see any way, shape, or form in which Liverpool finished third. And that actually looks a lot better than it probably was. Yeah, there, there were. It looks a, a lot better. Yeah. yeah, this was this. There were some brutal points I remember in the season. The, the West Brom game, yuck, was a real one. Stood out the, that, that Villa, run, obviously. They went on at home. Yes, they were losing like Burnley. Did Brighton get a win in there? Of course, like it is. <laughs> anyone who turned up the Anfield in those months, three months. I mean, what, what, I mean, thank goodness for getting rid of that turquoise khaki kit, uh, and uh, you know we won't have to see that again next season, and. I think one way in which they might change with Wijnaldum leaving is I think Trent might move to mid to centre mid. Anyway, uh, the two Manchester clubs uh, wrapped up the league. Manchester United finishing second. Kind of a weird one, bit of a ghost position in that they were always ghost second. Position. They were, but they were always second yeah. without ever threatening first. Um, yeah. They were always better than everyone else except Man City. Yeah, uh, they, they lost the same amount of games as City, which is interesting. Yeah, because because. I've spoken about this before. Whenever Jose Mourinho ruined Man United season, whenever uh, Jose and Spurs turned up the Old Trafford one six one, and Oli decided to shut every big game down after that, mm-hmm. so they've like eleven draws. Yeah, because they played like they played out some of the worst fixtures this season. Yeah, <laughs> so they did. Man it's funny as well because you look games. you look at the squad, and on paper there's still a lot of deadwood. Um, yeah. <sighs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think some players have got. I, I, I think the most underrated. I think part of the reason they've done so well is actually Scott McTominay. Scott McTominay has been very good. I think he is one of the most underrated players in the league. And Luke Shaw has had a brilliant season. Oh, his best yeah. season of his career yeah. by a mile. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we know Bruno Fernandez is good. Cavani staying on for another year, oh, big for them, and then Cavani, Cavani. goal. The they've got day. Rashford, but they need a centre back. Their goalkeeper situation is interesting. Yeah, they just mm. to pick one. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter who, just pick one and pick yeah. one and stick with it. Um I can see the hail even. Yeah. They're not a million miles away, but if you think like how good City are, and they'll City will go out and spend another hundred million this summer on a couple mm, of players, they're gonna get better again. Yeah. And it, it it's just in those big games that they drew, because United at times this season were fantastic, especially in position mentality wise, the amount of times Man United were behind in games. And went on the win. It was unbelievable. Now, did that have bits to do with fans not being there? Could well have been. But from that perspective, they were fantastic. They just need to eke out some like, shitty 1-0 wins here and there. Mm-hmm. And they, were un- they were unbeaten away the whole season. So, like, it's stuff like that was fantastic. Now, they did have one of the best moments of the season. Away to Brighton, whenever they won the game after the final whistle. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Just, just an all-time moment of just getting a penalty. This game's done, but Man United haven't won it yet, so here's a penalty. <laughs> Do your work. Uh, and obviously, 
champions this year, Manchester City. Uh, no real standout moments for me, really, from City. It was it was it was a kind of boring win, like of the title for them. It was yeah. like, yeah, they're just better than everybody. They started slowly, but they also had games in hand, so it was never as bad as it really looked. And then they got to the front, and they never let go. They're good at football, and I don't really have much else to say. Well, I, I, I'm kind of done with pundits falling over themselves to find different superlatives for Phil Foden. You know, I'm like, okay, like he's good, all right. You know, like oh. You know, just comparing them to oh, Paul Gascoigne and George Best. I'm like, like, oh, I know like, the Messi comparisons got me. Is, is that has that happened already? Of, of course, because the Pep Guardiola Academy player with the left foot. Of course, he's going to get that. <laughs> Good low player. I, I mean, I mean, like, look, he'll be one. He'll probably go on to be one of the best players to play the game, possibly. But you know, t- tone it down a wee bit. I don't know. <laughs> no <laughs> moment for me. You say there's not many standout moments of the season for City. Standout moment of the season for me, and I think the moment they won the league was whenever Everton got COVID over Christmas, <laughs> and City City got a convenient week break. Yeah, over New Year, so all the boys just had a week off while everyone else was playing games every forty-eight hours. And of course, Man City went on a two-month tear in January and February because they just have twenty-six boys ready to go at any any one time so just crushed teams who were shattered after a winter break yeah and did it sort of they had no you know Aguero didn't play a lot of games this season the same with Jesus so they played a lot of the season without an out and out striker so you didn't really see the usual 6-7 nils Mm. that you would see you know every game was kind of oh it was just a 2-0 3-0 very comfortable Man City victory and that's kind of what they did all year and more than likely they'll like I said earlier spend 100 million this summer and continue Mm. to do that next year uh, another unsung hero is Alexander Sinchenko, I think. Um, I think he's been uh, really, like, I do, if you kind of watch how they play, he plays a very interesting role from left back, which kind of makes their whole attack work. And he can actually defend, unlike Mendy. So yeah. he's been very good. I mean, they're cool. good everywhere. They're good everywhere. Yeah. But it's just, inter- I, I find him interesting in particular because he's so different to the rest of that side. Um, no, I, as you bring up Benjamin Mendy there, Chris. An awful moment I saw today was whenever City lifted the trophy. Fernandinho, obviously, first one to lift it, gets the big moment. Second player to lift it, Benjamin Mendy, <laughs> as though he's contributed. And then go, on, go on to tweet that he's now won it three times. The guy's played about 20 minutes yeah. in those three years. <laughs> but who else I saw today? Scott Carson. I thought this was a joke. Scott oh, didn't can we discuss him, medal. by the way? Didn't yeah. The winner's medal. Zach Steffen got one uh, because he sat on the bench all season but uh, Scott Carson doesn't get one because he wasn't in the squad enough that, that, was, that, was, a, that was a funny one that he played that match did, did you see that that was 11 years since his last Premier League game <laughs> 11 years that's so long Let's go, where was the last game before? Because I imagine it's a bit of a jump from wherever he was to Champions Manchester City. Uh, well, I think he was at Wigan before, if I'm right, <laughs> yeah. and Derby, yeah. And Bursaspor, I think, in Turkey. <laughs> I don't really know, yeah. A- apparently, he's, like, the reason why he was around, because he was on loan from Derby. It's it's something to do with, like, the, the behind-the-scenes type thing, but I don't really understand. He's oh, probably just a good crack. Yeah, so, <laughs> he, he, he makes up player. the English quota. He ticks yeah, yeah. the box. The well, I think that's part of it, isn't it? That is yeah, part yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. homegrown bit of crack. As, as long like, as long as he's not a nuisance, he could he could be at City for however many years he wants to be. Yeah, he could mm. be in that squad till he's sixty. 
if he really <laughs> wants to be, as long as he's just good fun and puts smiles on faces. Wow. Congratulations to, to Manchester City on, on obviously a very impressive year that we are completely downplaying. But um, yeah, congrats to them. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about this evening? Well, well I've got some live breaking news is that Paris Saint-Germain have not won the French League. They have bottled it what a on shame. the final day. Well, that, uh, Chris, that actually, interesting, leads me to kind of something I wanted to talk about, about 10 row leagues. Mm. Because a few leagues have been rescued this year. As you say, they're Lille have beat PSG, so now back to square one there. Inter Milan finally ended Juve's dominance oh, in yes. Italy. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately for German football, Bayern Munich, ninth title in a row and will win it again next Is season. it? Mm-hmm. Ninth? Ninth in a row. and So they beat... Leipzig were in second, so they they finished the season 13 points ahead of Leipzig. And Bayern Munich, doing what Bayern Munich always do, have signed Leipzig's best player and also taken their manager. <laughs> so this is... We, we've hinted at that a few times, but if a team wins 10 leagues in a row, just what can you do? Like The league has to disband at that point. Yeah, I think so. Um... A few points that I noticed on the Bundesliga uh, today. Dortmund goalkeeper let Lars Bender of Bayer Leverkusen score a penalty. Let him score a penalty. What? Because it's his last game. Um, they no. were Dortmund were no. 3-0 up against Leverkusen when Leverkusen got a penalty no, late didn't. in the game. Lars Bender, who I think used to play for Dortmund, was yeah, taking the did. penalty yeah. for Leverkusen. And uh, Roman Berkey was in nets for Dortmund and did not attempt to save the penalty. That's weak shit. Um, also <laughs> noticed that the uh, at uh, full time at the end of the Dortmund game, uh, the referee swapped shirts with Erling Haaland. Yep. So what? Yeah. You don't need any context, Chris. It's a joke of a league. <laughs> yeah, this league is in the ground. Honestly, today just sums it up for German football. If Bayern Munich win it next season disband the league start again just do I think all teams should just start off having new players and just have a draft league yeah where they just go through one back like Bayern Munich obviously they'll get top pick they can have whoever they want as number one but we have to sort this out because mm. we can't be going around having penalty scored unopposed yeah or like yeah, all, of the, all of the good teams in Europe could just form one league where they just play each other <laughs> yeah and Weak shit like that wouldn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> especially because because Dortmund weren't wouldn't go out of principle, and we now yeah. know why. Of course not. Of course <laughs> not. <laughs> Listen, football club. <laughs> Listen, guys. Um, thank you very much for being here. That that brings us to the end of of sort of the end of season recap. Um, a reminder: there will be one more episode of Under the Floodlights. We'll be back next week with our last episode of the season. It'll be our sort of end of season awards episode where we hand out stupid made up awards that we've we're going to come up with. So, um, everyone, please keep an eye on on the Instagram account, and that's at Under the Floodlights Pod because there might be um a few different voting options and things to get a little bit of interaction with that so if anyone wants to help us out with that it would be greatly appreciated um and until next week guys is there any final words from you my main thought is thank god this is over and great to see leicester bottle it two years in a row i look forward to a third we love this game thanks for being here boys and we'll see you all next week